What's up, you guys? Hey, welcome to the Chaz Way Podcast. I'm so glad that you guys are here this week. I'm joined by my friend, Daniel Blair. Daniel Blair is a man. He's a man of many hats. Today, he's wearing a fly racing hat, but the guy is seriously a man of many hats. I've been waiting months to get him on the show, and it's kind of crazy because, as a lot of you know, the, the listeners and the viewers of this show, we we kind of go everywhere. Sometimes I'm talking to motocross guys. Uh, I've talked to moto dads and, and, and announcers and all kinds of uh, people in this industry, but I've also talked to entrepreneurs and business guys and, and friends and people all over. But right now, this isn't like anything moto to me is like, is what I love. It's in my blood. I've, I've been a fan of motocross forever. I remember back in like January, I interviewed this, this friend of mine and I was like, man, I've been a fan of motocross since like, I went to supercross when I was a little kid at Jack Murphy stadium. And he's like, I raced there. I was like, you've heard of Jack Murphy stadium. And it was so crazy. But you know, like when you love the, when you love anything, it's what you love to talk about, you know? And yeah, so yeah. today is no, no exception to that. So Daniel Blair, you guys, he'll, he'll tell you more about him and I'll let him introduce himself. But this guy is a, uh, he's a, gosh, he's a commentator. He's a broadcaster. He's worked with NBC, probably several other uh, television affiliates. Um, I know of Daniel, you guys, because I'm at the uh, Arlington Supercross or the Dallas Supercross. Some people talk about in Dallas, Texas, actually this year was February 26th, which is my birthday. So I was like, what a perfect, thank you. Um, the motorsports world for taking the supercross to dallas on my birthday this year they were they did that for me and uh and anyways i had seen you down on the on the floor and of course i just pay attention to that stuff because it's what i'm into and uh and i liked what i saw i just like I, again i pay attention to that to, to production and stuff and so and then i followed you since then on social media you've got the the blair's breakdown so you've got a youtube presence and then a podcast presence as well and i'm like i want to know this guy and um we've gotten to, to get to know each other a little bit since then through text and social media so I'm, i appreciate your time i'm glad we finally pinned this down it's really ironic that um as we're as we're recording this today like three days ago, you were here in Oklahoma, actually maybe 15 minutes away from my house, uh, doing some work with Game Moto and, and Greg Albertson and those guys. How was Oklahoma for you? It was awesome. Uh, great trip for multiple reasons. Um, the big one for me right now is it's a little off of what you would think. You know, I, I got cool job. I get to do a lot of cool things and travel, but I'm in this chapter now where my son is at the age where he comes with me on a lot of things. So um little little behind the scenes for you i have a southwest credit card that if you use it enough you get rapid rewards and you get companion pass and i've got that now two years in a row so my son goes with me almost i mean it's getting to the point now where it's almost every trip he's on it so uh the chance to go out and do some coaching with greg albertson who's a friend of mine have my son come with me i i mean it's very fulfilling right now to be able to be busy, be working, but always have my dude with me. And, and he's yeah. at the perfect age. He's 12. So he's not like a kid that I have to manage. He's like a little man, like a little grown up. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it was a great trip. And to have him with me made it uh, that much better. That's awesome. I want to, I want to go back to that in a second because I want to dig, dig, dig into that, <clears throat> but it's funny. You mentioned him being 12 and he's not like a little kid. So I talked to you about, I used to go to super, I went to Supercross for years in Dallas. Um, and when I started that, my son was, he's 15, he'll be 16 next month. So he was probably seven or eight. So the first few years that I made that, it's always in February in Dallas. It's a two and a half, three hour drive from, from Oklahoma city more where I live. And, um, so I always would just take either a friend or like a girl, you know, I was always single. So, and I would never take Braxton because I'm like, it, it was, it was a weekend away. I'd always go Friday afternoon. I'd stay through Sunday. I'd always uh, stay at a hotel real close to the venue. And I, every year for, I mean, I think five years straight, I'd go and, 
and I'd, uh, I'd stay at a, at a hotel close by. I'd, I'd make a plan, you know, and, and, um, and I did the same thing every year. It became, it became a, a routine, but I, my, my son was too young for me to like, I didn't want to chase him around and it's a huge venue. And so it wasn't until he was like 11 that I, maybe 10, but I think 11 that I started taking him. And then we had, we, it became a little bit of a tradition for us. And then we took a pause for a couple of years and now being back at it. Now that he's super in moto, that's cool. It's actually crazy. Cause now he's really into filming and it's just been uh, the, the coolest joy ever to see him like find a whole different angle of his love for moto, especially as a dad who is a huge moto fan, you know? So, yeah. um, but it's funny you say that now at 12, because now you can do life together, you know? And it's not, it's not just like, you're not babysitting, you know, you're like literally locking arms and you guys are experiencing life together at his age. So that's super cool. So did he gets to travel and do a lot of stuff with you. And that includes probably some work stuff. Cause you're kind of in a work life that we'll talk mm -hmm. about your work life, but does he get to go to a lot of your work gigs too? Yeah, he's been starting to, um, at the end of Supercross this year, he got to go to a couple of them. Uh, Salt Lake was the big one. That's the finale of Supercross. And he wanted to go and, uh, dark side. He's a guy named Jamie. He's in the industry. He's in the media. He's an awesome dude. Good friend of mine. He was like, Hey man, I know you got responsibilities. So when you don't, when you can't do something, when you have to do your job, I'll take him and like, I'll make this great for him. So he took him, dude, he got to go in all the different semis, talk to all the riders, which I, I could have got him in there too, if I had time, but I didn't. So it was pretty cool for me because he got to experience without being like my son that day. It's not like, yeah. Oh, here's my kid. Here's my kid. He kind of was like his own guy. He was hanging with dark side. They were like two dudes rolling through the pits and going and seeing riders. So I was on race day live and for hours I'm getting texts and it's like photo with this guy, photo with that guy and dude, his face. I mean, he had a great yeah. time um, and then spent some time with me on the floor doing some different things, uh, watch the races from the stands and then got to go to the press box and was sitting with Travis Pastrana watching the Supercross. I mean, the kid had a spoiled weekend. Let's just put it that way. But so he, he's starting to get to that point now where I can bring him and he can be involved in even the work trips. Now this Oklahoma one, I was coaching some of the riders getting ready for Loretta Lynn's. Well, my son rides too. So that one was different. He's out riding and hanging with all the kids and he's partaking in what I was there for. But the Supercross stuff is a little harder because I do have responsibilities. But again, he's old enough now to be able to do things without me having him on a leash. You know right, I mean? right. He gets to live a little bit there. Yeah. So, uh, it's just a great chapter for him. That's super cool. Well, we weren't going to start with that, but since we're talking kids, when you were out here in Oklahoma and you were doing the stuff with Game Moto, which is super cool, what he's Greg's, I don't know, Greg, what Braxton, my son's connected with him a little bit now with, with some, uh, you know, film stuff, but I, I guess basically he's built like a replica track of Loretta Lynn's Loretta Lynn's for those of you that aren't in the moto world or the community Loretta Lynn's is like the biggest amateur race uh, in the United States, maybe in the world. I don't know, but I definitely in the United States um, it's what every kid probably dreams of um, that's their race, you know, that's their world. And so he's Greg has built this replica track um, and basically it's a Kamza, which is 15, 20 minutes straight down the, the same road. I live on 149th. And uh, I don't even know if that's public. I probably shouldn't say that, but, um, <laughs> but anyways, regardless. Um, and so it's a genius idea, but it gives, it gives these young riders a place to go and really, you perfect their craft to become the best at, at, at what they do so that they can um, have, have a leg up when it gets to, to game time, if you will, you know? So um, I know your son rides. What is his name? What's his name? Evan. Evan. Yep. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. So does he ride on a competitive level? Cause I've seen some of your socials that he's out riding. Is he racing and, and what's, what's his level of commitment to the sport? Well, he's coming off of what would be 
a, a pretty bad run of injuries. So um, he was really into it on 50s, was doing really well, uh, rode a 65 for a little bit, got on an 85. We kind of went back and forth, was doing really well. And then last October, uh, had a big crash, actually landed on a down bike. Kid crashed in front of him, ran off the track. The bike, they couldn't get the bike off in time. He lands right on the bike, goes over the bars, breaks his femur. I mean, super dramatic. I, I've broken both femurs, so I know what that's like. And the hardest part for me was watching him go through this, knowing what he was going through, because I've done it. It's brutal. It's, it's, it's terrifying. And for a little, at the time, 11-year-old, or yeah, a little 11-year-old at the time, I just, I mean, I, I don't even know what it was like for him. It had to have been super dramatic. So he had that. And then he starts coming back, you know, five, whatever months later, has another injury and then fractures his tib. Um, didn't do tib fib, just did the tib only. So there's another six to eight weeks. So he's just getting back on the bike and we are in full reset mode. He's starting over, you know, we're just getting this base built fundamentals and he'll slowly work his way back into it. Um, but right now, yeah, not competitive, not chasing anything, more just starting out, starting over and, and doing it for the main reason, which is fun and love. And, and for me, I, I'm instilling a lot of discipline in him right now on just giving it your effort, having a great attitude. Because, you know, when you're behind and, and all the kids you've raced with have had a year of success and they're getting faster and you're way back, it's discouraging. So it's it's us communicating um, and, and coming together on the objective, which is A, have a good time, B, ride your hardest, give it your all and see, have a good attitude regardless of how things go. Cause like it's tough for him right now. So yeah. will it get competitive again? I'm sure it will. But at this moment right now, it's, we're just in rebuild mode and, and trying to get to do it father and son and bond. And, and uh, we just press the reset button and it's going pretty well so far. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And and this might be a really good chapter to make some memories. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, off the bike stuff, but that might be a really good opportunity to, to not feel it's not threatening. It's not, uh, this might be a really good season for that for him, you know, in life. So that's, that's really cool. So we talked a little bit off the air before we started about being, you're from California. You're currently in North Carolina. South. I knew almost, I'd say it wrong. Almost North. We almost, okay. We were interested in North Carolina a uh, year and a half ago. There was a almost situation where I was able to move. It didn't work out and it ended up being for the best because we ended up finding Greenville, South Carolina. I'm actually in Simpsonville, uh, but I, I, I'm so grateful. I can't believe it. I was telling my wife last night, like our new home, our neighborhood, our, the town, the community. I just feel like I'm really lucky. I mean, I'm, I, you know, it, I think we could have made a home anywhere, of course. Sure. But this just worked, man. And the timing ended up being perfect. So uh, a year and a half ago, a little frustrated, thought we were going to make the move. Didn't happen, but it ended up being for the best. We're, we're, we're officially home now. and We love it. Wow. Okay. So let's rewind a little bit. Let's, you know, you and I, um, so again, not knowing you personally until just over the last couple of months, but just watching from afar, um, you know, some people talk about the highlight reel of social media. I think that's a mindset thing. Um, for me, I don't consider social media as a highlight reel. I consider a really good way to network, build relationships and really follow along people's journey. Right. So only knowing somebody from the socials, um, you know, I, obviously I know you're out and about, you're always doing these events, but then I'm, I'm seeing, you know, you're connected with this, you're here, you're there. Um, I know you live in California. We connect. We're finally talking about like, let's get you on the podcast. Let's get things going. Um, and then, and then we've got it literally down to the day. And you're like, bro, 
I, my wife is going like, it's going to be a bad day if I don't start packing some boxes. And if I take a pause for an hour to go do this podcast, it might be critical. And I'm like, bro, just go, go pack your house. <laughs> but I didn't even know you were packing the move, which is like, welcome to the entertainment world, right? Like I get it. I do get it. Um, because it was time to pack up and go. And obviously, again, from the outside, I had no clue that was going on in your life. So take me back to that. What what was happening? Why why the shift to the other coast? Because you also made it a, a career announcement change. And I don't even know the depth of that. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's whew, okay. Let me try to explain this. Uh, my wife and I have had this little thought for a long time that we wanted to move out of California. Um, it started out mostly as just an affordability thing. Um, you know, I was a racer for a long time, probably raced longer than I should have. And instead of starting that next chapter of life where I could make smarter financial decisions, I just kept racing and racing and racing. Um, finally, uh, it, it all worked out perfectly, but I got an opportunity to audition to uh, be part of the broadcast for Arena Cross on FS1. This is back in 2015 or 2014. And, um, and I got hurt that summer too. I broke my femur for the second time. So my wife said, look, you're, you're done now. Like, come on, man. You, you got this TV thing starting, keep getting hurt. You got kids like just stop it already. And I mean, I'm being nice. She actually threatened me pretty bad. So she, I mean, I was in the hospital in the ICU and she said, I will get a lawyer. If you think you're racing again, I was like, okay, okay, okay. I'm done. That's what I needed to hear. So I started my chapter uh, doing the TV stuff, but just again, kind of getting a late start on being a proper adult, I, financially, I was just always behind in California. So we always thought like, hey, if things get going and we start getting some traction in life, like maybe we'll make our move out east and be able to go to somewhere more affordable. And so we've always had our eye on Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, Oklahoma, even at one point, we just thought, you know what, we might be able to get ahead if we start somewhere else. Um, but it just never, it never happened. There was just too many responsibilities that kept me home. But then a lot of things started happening all at the same time. So I, I was the co-owner of a company called Eagle Grit, which is a hand cleaner business, still exists. I don't own it anymore. My buddy John bought it and he is crushing it. I'm super grateful for that. Um, but that business was going very well. And it got to the point, again, for me, the COVID thing really was the final push. Um, I didn't really like the way they handled the school stuff there. My kids were on Zoom for a year and a half. Um, it, they just really fell behind on their schooling. My son was super advanced in school. He's a really smart kid. He lost a bunch. My daughter just couldn't look at the screen. She hated the Zooms. And it really frustrated my wife and I because everything revolves around our family and everything revolves around my family's education and make sure my kids are in a good spot and have a good, you know, a, a good platform to grow up. And I was really pissed about that. So when that happened, it was like, okay, I really want to force this to happen. I, I want to go somewhere where the education's good. I did a lot of research and I wanted to get them in a better situation for school that also had to be more affordable. And then also supported my TV career that's been growing and growing and growing every year. Um, so I ended up selling the business to my friend, John, um, right at the exact same time that something big in my career happened. And it gave us the chance to, to leave. And I just had a conversation with my wife and I said, look, I, I'm good either way. Okay. Like I'm, if we, if we want to tough this out, we can tough it out here. If we want to move, we can move, but I'm going to let you decide this and I will support it hundred percent. And she, she said, let's do it. I, I want to move. I, I, I want to start over somewhere else. I want better education. And I want to be able to afford life a little bit better. Um, so we started looking and we had probably 10 locations as far as cities go. 
They got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Ended up being three cities that we really like. We like Knoxville, Tennessee. We like the Charlotte area of North Carolina. And then we like Greenville, South Carolina, which I just said it wrong. It's Greenville. I'm not supposed to say Ville. Apparently that exposes that I'm not from here. I, I got to get better at that. It's Greenville. <laughs> so um, the reason why we chose this one, um, I think it just fit all the way, but it kept me close to Charlotte, which is important for TV. Um, NBC, ESPN, Fox, they all have like a hub down in the Charlotte area. So they're, they have, they have like a little mini base down there. So I, I was told, which I'll get to this part of it in a second, that this would be a good area to be in because it creates more opportunities. You're closer to people. If you need to get into a meeting, there's also studio opportunities possibly. So I knew that being near Charlotte would be good, but I didn't like Charlotte as much as here. So I'm um, an hour and a half out and it worked absolutely perfectly. Now, the final piece of this puzzle is I signed with an agency and that's what I announced on Instagram um, maybe a month ago now. Yeah. And what happened is, is this year during Supercross, I had a really good season. I worked really hard. I mean, I always work hard, but I worked really hard this year and I wanted to take a leap. And the timing was perfect because I had a chance to do four races in the booth as the play-by-play, -play, which is crazy responsibility. It, it's it's a very big position, it, it's a, it, but it's a career mover position. I mean, once you're in that spot, you're, you, know, you're, you have a lot of responsibilities, and I think it shows everybody that you can handle a lot more than the current role that I was in, which is you know, the floor reporter, race day live. That, I had kind of mastered those roles, but to get play-by-play -play and have a month to really give myself a shot at it, I just worked super, super hard, and it went really well. And what that did was that you know, created some interest outside of the sport, and I ended up meeting with the Montag group and they're a huge agency that reps. I mean, Mike Tirico, Jim Nance, Kenny Smith. I mean, their roster is insane. Like if you read through it, you're just like, what? It's crazy. Yeah. And next thing you know, there's some communication back and forth. And I remember getting the call and they were like, we want to sign you. And that we, we have a vision together. I actually, my, my goal is, my goal is to do supercross and football. Those would be my two things. If I could create a schedule around that, that'd be a dream. I love football a lot. Um, but then supercross is my, that's my, my heart is all supercross. So I ended up conversating with them, talking it out, figuring it out. And they're like, yeah, we want to sign you. Let's do this thing and let's build a program over the next four years. And they were like, yeah, if you're planning on moving to the East coast, be near Charlotte and that's going to help you a lot. So the business sells. The wife says, okay, the agency thing happens. I go to the Atlanta Supercross. I drive to Greenville. I fall in love within like 30 seconds of pulling in. I'm here for three days and I'm looking around, like looking at houses. I, my real estate agent wasn't even in town. She ends up getting back right before I left. She goes, hey, this house popped up on the market. Do you want to see it? And I was like, God, I don't know. I mean, I've seen enough. Like, I like the area. Just start sending us stuff. She's like, well, I don't know. Maybe you want to see this one. Drove to the house that I'm sitting in right now, <laughs> saw it, loved it, FaceTimed my wife, showed her everything, and she was like, I could tell. She was borderline in tears. She's like, I really want that one. And I was like, okay, well, I'll make an offer. Made an offer, flew home, landed, got the call. They said yes. I mean, I can't even believe And I'm in shock. And that was mid to late-ish April. And here wow. I am, I middle of June, I drove my family five days across the country and we pulled into this exact home. Um, and I'm actually sitting in the bedroom of the son of the parents who lived here and he was an ex-racer. So he's raced Loretta, he's, he's raced. So it, I, I mean, it's just the weirdest thing to ever happen, but 
uh, yeah, we're here now. And um, I'm a South Carolinian and it's psychotic, to be honest. I can't yeah. believe it worked out that way. Bro, I, I just don't believe things happen on accident. I don't. I don't I either. Don't, I don't believe. I don't either. And, uh, and that's not without, I mean, just to give you credit, I just think it's important. Sometimes we, and I know, I know you well enough, even though I don't know you well, that you are, um, that you're a bit of a humble guy you're, and you're not, you're not, you're not a big guy to toot your horn, but that comes from consistency, hard work, all those things that they, so they start to fall in place, you know? And it's just like you said, you worked really hard. This happened, that happened, a turn of events. One thing happens after another, just like you said, this is a moto kids room you're sitting in right now. That wasn't, that's just mind blowing, but is it, you know, like, is it mind blowing? No, it's, it's, I call it alignment, bro. It's crazy. Um, that's really cool. That's so cool. And yeah. I love that you're with an agency. Cause I think that's a step up for you. You know, um, I, I've never doubt, like I've never been on the TV side. My, my experience has been in the DJing world, whether it's been in clubs or radio when I was younger. Um, but still similar in the sense of like, when you step up into working with an agency of sorts, um, and even when I, I used to sing. And so even when you go into like you know, booking agents and stuff like that, same, same concept, um, it really is a step in the right direction. Also it exposes you to a lot of new things, uh, good and bad, but generally good. Um, but it also, it gives you a little bit more credibility. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's great. Like you said, I think when you stepped into the booth for, you know, that, that month, it, it probably that gave you more credibility and then more visibility as well. So yeah. that that's awesome. So I'm super, I'm super glad to hear that. So has that opened more doors for you already? Not yet. Um, so, but by design, so uh, we signed the deal. It's a long-term deal and I'm, I'm used to not be this way, but I'm a very patient person. I would rather do what's right than what's fast. Mm -hmm. So yes, we could rev things up and Hey, like start just working like immediately. They, they, they could pull that off. I could, I could pull it off too, but I don't think that's the right plan. Um, again, I, with this business Eagle that I ran, I mean, we're talking like five years of just 24 seven where, I mean, I just wore myself to the bone and I really think it's smart for me right now to enjoy this chapter, you know, moving out here, settling in, being with my family, um, Supercross is still my priority, number one, and they're in the middle of their, you know, re-upping of their either contract with NBC or I, I don't know where it's going to go all the way, um, but they're, they're working on their stuff still. So I'm actually in a weird place where I can wait a little bit, let that sort itself out, and then start building my plan from there. And, and the agency was smart. They were like, look, we know where we're going to get to. We're going to get there over time. And I'm like, good, because I think there was a, probably a little bit of like, me wondering like are they gonna get going quick and they're probably wondering does he want to get going quick and the reality is is for what i want to do and my ultimate goal which is to be in supercross and football i would rather just take my time and ease in and let things play out the right way than try to rush something that maybe isn't meant to be so i and I, i've had to learn that over time I, I was never that way before i was very impatient i wanted everything now all the time yeah but i've learned that good things come when you do what's right and not what is fast and easy. So, yeah. um, so no, no opportunities yet, but that's by design. We haven't tried anything. We're, we're going to let Supercross sort its stuff out first um, and then build my career around that. Cause that is my priority. That's, I mean, that's where my heart lies. And I would rather just start slowly integrating in other things, adding that to uh, my portfolio and my job description. Um, but I, I just don't want to jump on something until Supercross figures everything out because I, that's my priority. So, yeah. uh, 
we have a perfect plan in place. And I, I would imagine that next year in the fall, things will really rev up in the ways that I want them. But right now it's, it's all about doing what's right. And just, yeah. uh, and, and just playing the time and the calendar the right way. Yeah. Long game for sure. Yep. <clears throat> That's awesome. So what is your role, Daniel, in Supercross? Like, obviously it sounds like there's, they're making some change. Well, some adjustments on moving into the next schedule for, for the 23 season, but what is your role? Actually a better question for 22. What was your role in Supercross? There we go. <laughs> Cause moving forward, I don't know. It's wild. And especially with me, I mean, I, I take on everything possible and that's just who I am as a person. So as far as next year, I don't know what my role, my role could be crazier than it was this year, but so this year I was, um, the analyst, or you would call the color commentator for race day live, which is the practice show for supercross on Peacock. And then at night during the racing, I am the pit reporter slash track side analyst. So it's a, it's a kind of hybrid role, um, which has been perfect for me because yes, I'm an ex racer. So I can focus on the track and really bring the track to life, but they've thrown more responsibilities at me as far as being in the pits um, doing the podium interviews and adding that stuff too. And that's helped me really like broaden up my understanding of the role. Mm-hmm. Um, so what started out is like, you're the track guy. It's turned into, you're kind of a little bit of everything down there guy, which has been super awesome for my career. Um, I also uh, handle all the press conferences, pre and post race press conferences. So mm-hmm. between those three jobs, those are my main obligations when I'm there. But then I have Blair's breakdown, which is actually just kind of something I do on the side through them um, they allow me and my friend Shane Doyle, who is, I mean, he's involved in the industry very heavily, um, from a media side, uh, social media side, videography, we have created this little monster, which is Blair's breakdown. It was meant to be just this little fun, like idea. We, Hey, we'll walk the track after, dude, it turned into like a really cool show. And we started just adding more to it, more to it. And now it's like a pretty popular show. I mean, to the point when, whenever I wouldn't do one, I mean, it was borderline threats in my dm like where's the show i'm like i had you know this week i had to do some other stuff i couldn't do it so it's turned into like a little monster kind of but uh that's a youtube show that we do through supercross and through them and they've allowed us to have the freedom to be creative and i mean in 2021 it was all post-race we'd go walk the track uh 2022 because of the scheduling i actually had to do it ahead of time so it turned into an interview preview type show next year i have no idea what we're gonna do we'll do something cool but it's it's turned into the fourth obligation for me and it was just kind of a fun little side thing but it's turned into i mean in my opinion as equal as the other as far as importance for me is because i love it number one but it's also allowed me to really show my personality in a different way because when you're on the broadcast you're on nbc you got to be a certain way you have a job description to do Race Day Live is a little looser. It's a practice show. It's a little freer. Post, uh, press conferences, I'm pretty much just steering the ship. So Blair's Breakdown allows me to be playful and be funny. And yeah. the writers, I don't think we're all the way with it at first because I kind of came at them in a unique way. I was really sarcastic and a little harsh with them. But by about the fifth or sixth round, they all knew when I come walking up, they're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So uh, it, it changed over time, but it's, yes. it's turned into a, a pretty dang cool thing. Yeah. I, and I could see that from a viewer perspective, I could see the riders change, even like, even uh, like the mechanics, if it was the rider and mechanic, because are you doing that on press day or is it track walk? Like, cause it's, it's pre-race, but what day is that generally happening? Is it press day? Press day. Yeah. So press okay. days have been really awesome. Supercross has stepped that up huge. Sean Brennan, shout out to him. He runs that division and he is crushed uh, the press day stuff, the media side of things. So the writers are all there and 
they're able to sit out for a period of time before they get to ride the track and all the media gets to come and like talk to them. And it's, it's, it's a trade-off. Like, look, we'll let you ride the track, but you have to be available for media so we can hype this thing up. We're racing tomorrow. Like let the media gin up some, some energy here. And so they're all doing their media thing. So on Fridays, I'm essentially just part of the media. I, yeah. I am super cross official, but not really because it's just kind of a free floating deal with me and Shane and a camera. We just go around and kind of, do what we want so yeah, yeah you could see their attitude change about halfway yes. through when they realized i was hitting them like hard with these really hard questions but in a very playful yet sarcastic almost disrespectful way but with a smile but and fun. once they got a hold of it they really started playing ball yeah. and they started like playing back so by the end of the year the show was really really mastered but yeah that's all friday they're all in a good mood on Friday. Saturdays, they're a little weird. Fridays, the riders are very cool. So I just started bringing the best out of that out of them. And the fans yeah. love it because they get to see these riders act different. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was my whole objective this year. Yeah. Well, it was cool to see it. It was cool to see it change. It seemed like their guard was down a little bit more. I mean, I, the from the outside looking in, it seems like generally speaking, they don't love press day, or at least they didn't um, maybe in the past, again, maybe this year, the way they've structured it or for 22, they might've structured it different. So it's become a little bit more of a lax atmosphere. Um, but I definitely saw that, that guard come down um, as you approached maybe like mid season towards the end of the season, it was more like, and like I said, even like the mechanics would be standing with them and maybe earlier on is like, there's still some tension. It's like, Oh, here comes another camera, even though they know you, that's the good thing. Yeah. They know you from a different perspective. Cause you're, you're in, you're in their game with them all every day. Um, but anyways, it was cool. It's, it was, it was a fun thing to watch. I'm excited for next season to see that too. Um, that's cool. Also, I think the the pre and post interviews are, are really fun. I don't, I don't always catch pre, uh, pre interviews, but post interviews, I always try to make sure I watch and, and, uh, it's neat to see you navigate that, even though, like you said, you're really just, just guiding the ship. Um, mm -hmm. but that's cool as well. Um, because sometimes it takes some guidance. You can tell, cause those guys, I mean, depending on what happened, you know, an hour before, or however long, some for yeah. the 450 guys, it might've been 20 minutes before, I guess, you know, I don't know, how, yeah, I don't know what the time frame is, but it looks quick. Dude, they're, they're dripping with sweat when they walk in there. It's right after, I mean, they go from the podium to the press conference. And like you said, the, sometimes the moods are all good. You got three really happy riders and sometimes maybe one of them's not. And it's, yeah. but it's, it's cool. It, it's easy to navigate again because my relationship grew with these riders to where I, I could take command of, the room and make sure that we do what we need to do regardless if their mood is good or bad. So it, it, it's definitely worked. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Okay. So, um, I don't know. His name is Steve, Steven. I think he, he I've known him as Lurch for all these years. Um, what is, was, did you take on some of his role? Because he used to be, he used to do the podium stuff. And I don't, I know he's not really full-time in, in, you know, in that, in Supercross anymore. Um, have you kind of stepped in, was he doing what you do? I don't know. Maybe before the guy before me. So before me, okay. it was Andy Boyer. He worked for Feld. Um, okay. He would do race day live. And I think the press conferences too. So uh, he was actually working in-house at Feld too. So I, what happened was I think his obligations got too heavy to where it was hard to manage it all. And they needed him more in-house for the things he was doing. So I actually took his job. But Lurch, he's done a lot of different things. And even this year, he was on Race Day Live uh, in Minneapolis because just scheduling conflicts. Um, again, I was one of the ones I went up to the booth. So they brought in Adam Cincerello. I mm. think Kristen Beat had to miss one race because she does American Flat Track also. So Lurch is like, he could do everything. I mean, he's yeah. obviously got the voice. He's 
I mean, so in the live, in the stadium, like the dude can bark, man. He can rev up a crowd, um, but he can also do TV, which he did. He did race day live this year on Peacock. So he, he's great. Um, and then Joseph Allen, they brought him in this year. Same thing. The dude is an entertainer. He, he gets me fired up during the live event. Cause at, at night I got the headset on, I'm doing TV. He's in the live stadium doing the live stuff and I'm watching him and my heart rate's going up because that dude brings the energy. But then we were also colleagues on race day live together, which was all TV stuff. So there's a lot of moving pieces where people can do multiple things. And I think that's how they have to do it. Yeah. There are a lot of responsibilities. And if people have the ability to do more than one, they, they try to stack your day. And so it's, it's been pretty wild to pull it off and pull it off with people that are also doing multiple. Very classy fix this. I love hey, that that's live in the moment, baby. That's how it's done right there. Right. Like for all the listeners, they're the lucky ones. They don't get to see that. They don't get yeah, to see the it. ones on YouTube laugh their butt off. Um, okay, so sorry to interrupt. So on that, um, is Joseph Allen, is he the he's a younger guy? Yep. Glasses, right? Okay. Um, yep. is he new to the industry? Sort of, but sort of not. So here's the crazy part is is if you look him up right now on YouTube, look up America's Got Talent, Joseph Allen, and you're gonna see millions of views on his audition he got the golden buzzer and went right through simon cowell loved him uh he's a, a a fantastic performer singer artist but he also raced a lot coming up as okay. a young kid he got into it racing so i don't know how the relationship actually began like who called who and how it worked but all of a sudden there's this guy joseph allen showing up who is like crazy good entertainer but also has a riding and racing background so it's like Instead of bringing in someone who really doesn't know anything but can entertain, this guy knows stuff too. So uh, he had a great year. I mean, I loved working with him on Race Day Live. He brought his own flavor and style and taste, especially with the way he talks to riders too. But then, man, at night, he just revs up the crowd. He's, yeah. I mean, I, I watched him. I forget the one. It might have been Dallas. I think he was in the middle of the stadium and, dude, had he had command over like 50,000 people that were like all eyes on him. He's very, very good at that. So um, that's his background. But yeah, he raced. Like he was in Texas racing amateur, racing arena cross. Like, I mean, pretty cool. That was a chapter. It wasn't his whole life. But yeah, look up Joseph Allen on America's Got Talent and just you'll be blown away. The dude is phenomenal talent. Wow. Yeah, I'll do that for sure. He did a great job. I'd never heard of him. You know, I, I, I just never heard of him. And honestly, even from like, I think the last race I was at was 16 or 17 in Dallas or yeah, Dallas. And then you know, like I said, I took a few years where I wasn't there. And then to go back, it was, there was a lot of new faces, um, <clears throat> new roles and stuff, but I, I had never heard or seen him, but again, I pay attention to that, that stuff. Yeah. And, and I was impressed. I thought he did a great job and live show like night, the night show. He was really, really good. It was a good, it was good. So that's cool. It's good also yeah. to hear that you have a good chemistry, you know, together. So that's awesome. So does it get overwhelming having so many hats and still we'll move on from Supercross, but you know, you, you've talked about a lot of different things that you're doing on what we'll call game day, but race race day um, yes. from, I don't know what time your morning starts, but you know, for those of, for people that aren't necessarily into Supercross, there is an entire day of qualifying that happens. So I don't know what time the racers day start, but they start early and they, they qualify all day long. And then there's a very short break and then it goes right into to, to, to the night show, which is again, racing all night long until about 10 or 10, 30, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And so the same thing for the commentators, same thing for the staff, same thing for cameraman, cameraman, it, it is an all day and then an all night thing. Yeah. Um, so 
it's a lot of hours for everyone involved. Um, so just for those of people that, that maybe aren't into the, to the sport. So, but all the hats that you wear in that, is that, um, is it overwhelming? Cause it's you, you handle, you talk it very well. Do you handle it well? Yeah, I, I would say on a physical, on the physical side, it's very difficult. Um, I have a lot of old injuries from racing. I mean, it would, we could do a whole other show and just go through that. I mean, my file is, it's gross. Um, you know, feet, knees, femurs. I mean, I, I, I've jacked myself up quite a bit. So at the end of a long day of Supercross, I'm pretty beat physically. Uh, but emotionally, which I've driven more off my emotion than I am off my physical being, I actually like to be really busy. Um, I don't know where this happened or how it happened, but something pivoted with me where I really have to be doing something or I kind of get bummed. I, I, I mean, I've had little bouts of even depression and it's always been when things slow down too much for me. I like to be active. I like to be chasing something. I like to, I like to be moving. That doesn't mean I can't take a break, take a nap, go to, I mean, I, I'm all fine with that, but when I'm going, I like to go, go, go. So to be honest with you this year, when I did the four races in the booth, all my other obligations were gone. And that was kind of hard for me because I sat around a lot. I just was there and yeah, it was cool. And it was great to be in a suit and be next to Ricky Carmichael. And it was fulfilling, but it was actually a hard transition because I wasn't moving much. I wasn't, you know, I, it wasn't 9am to 11pm, which I was used to. I actually liked that from a more of an emotional standpoint. I like to be, to be energized and going. So um physically yeah difficult but but i actually prefer to be doing a lot of things at once uh even right now i'm going through a little weird chapter in life because of the move where things are slower you know i got you know i'm going to home depot to get stuff and you know, I'm, I'm golfing a lot i will admit i'm golfing a lot but i'm kind of ready to like get going again i want to work I, I don't like not doing something so uh people ask me all the time like how do you do it and i said how do i not like it, it's it's designed perfectly for me i like to get there early and grind through the day and yeah I'm, I'm i'm worn out when i get back to the hotel but i'm fulfilled through the day so uh i, I don't i don't mind it i bring it on and i do have a limit I've, I've overdone it a few times but for the most part i like to fill my day and be pretty wide open all the time that's that's what fulfills me and satisfies me so it's not really a problem that's awesome is your wife um has she always been i mean you're gone a lot obviously has your wife always supported that lifestyle I got lucky um, for two reasons. Number one, my wife's very independent, um, not because of any other reason than she's just built very, she's a very strong woman. She can handle things. She can handle the kids. She's very good at that stuff. So I kind of hit the jackpot there. Uh, but our relationship was formed this way. When we first started dating back in 2001, within like two weeks of like being a boyfriend and girlfriend, I went to Guatemala for a month to go racing. So right out of the gate, she kind of was like, wow, this guy travels and he does this. So we learned right away how to be good apart. Mm. Um, and we're really good apart. In fact, I need to get going, if I'm being honest with you, because I've been home a lot lately. And she's, I, she's telling me, you need to go do something. Like we actually do better when I'm traveling a lot because we miss each other and we want to yeah. be together. When I'm home a lot, I drive her nuts because I'm, I'm, I can be irritating and she's very independent and I that bugs me sometimes. So I kind of poke. So she, I think we're almost to the point now where it's time to get back to work, but no, we, our whole relationship has been built um, on the understanding that I do travel and we've actually built it to be perfect that way. We're, we're happy when we're apart. We're happy when we're together. 
Um, so I just kind of got lucky and found the right person who fits exactly who I need to be happy. And then I think it works for her too, because she gets, she gets to be with her husband and the father of her kids when he's home, but then also gets a breather when it's time to get a breather. So yeah, kind of lucked out, man. I, we, we both really did. That's, that, that's incredible to hear. And that's, I, for me, I think that's key. I think it's so key to be able to a be on, be on a, a same page. Cause I think we're, we miss that sometimes in relationships, we miss the mark. Um, but the fact that you can, you can be on the same page and then, and then know that and then execute it. It's huge. And I think that probably keeps you being able to have a very confident answer. When I ask you that is because yeah. it, it does work. Cause you're clear, you know, you're very, yeah. you're both clear on it. So that's awesome. So South Carolina is good for you. Life's good. You're, you're on the off season of Supercross. Um, just a couple more questions for you, but what, just since I'm a, a moto guy, I'm curious no involvement in the outdoor season uh no um i've had the opportunity the last couple of years too I, I got offered the job this year to be the trackside reporter that jason thomas is doing uh mm -hmm. it just didn't work again with the move and the schedule and um i mean just a combination of reasons it just wasn't going to work and um so no never have uh i love the outdoors though i i, I if I'm being completely honest, I, I don't love it as much as Supercross. I've always been just a bright lights kind of guy. I grew up racing fairgrounds races. I mean, I was a little kid watching Supercross, loved it. And then as far as a racer, I always performed better indoor than outdoor. So I've never liked it as much if I'm being fully transparent with you. Um, but I respect the athletes, maybe even a little bit more during the summer, what they have to go through. So I watch all the races. I'm totally into it. But as far as working it, it's just never been as much of a priority or like a want for me like would i do it yeah like if it fit yeah but man i i just love supercross a lot and um so yeah it's never really been something i've been clawing at to get in and then of course this year the year that i could have done it i moved so it was real i mean i was driving across the country during the lakewood national i mean it just it wasn't gonna work so um yeah no no outdoors except for just get to be a fan more than anything and and you know it's nice to actually step away and not have to work it and be able to be a fan and sit back on the couch and watch uh, outdoor motocross and watch these guys from a different view. It actually kind of fulfills me in a different way because it makes me excited to go back and do the job too. Yeah. being able to step away and just be a fan. So uh, no, it's ended up working out pretty perfect the way it's been. Yeah, I bet that's great. Well, since we're on the subject, Eli coming back next year for the outdoors or no? Yeah, I'm hearing all kinds of weird stuff, man. I did. You know what? I, I, this is crazy too, because I'm pretty in the end on a lot of this information, but in the summertime, again, I like to disconnect a little bit. I like to not know all of it. So I hear things and I don't follow up all the way, even though I do my podcast main event moto, I like to come at it from a little bit more of the unknown. So I'm hearing this and I'm hearing that and I'm, dude, I hear all kinds of stuff because my inner circle of friends hears it and they hear it and they hear it. So I don't know. I know his deal. He signed the Supercross only, but who knows with these guys? I mean, I didn't even know he was going to sign again. Dungy, who knew he was going to come back? This sport, man, it feels like every week something new is happening. So I can't predict that one. But if you're riding the way you're riding and you're making the money you're making, do you leave? I don't know. I mean, this sport's so silly. It's like they spend their whole life chasing this thing. And then right when they're in that sweet pocket where all the money is at its best, they always want to leave. And it's like... This is when you get to cash in the most. You're 29, 30 years old. You're badass. You're healthy. You're making crazy money. Like, why stop? I mean, unless you don't love it anymore. So 
who knows, man? I, I just love that these guys are hanging around a lot longer, though, and uh, it's better for all of us. So we'll see what happens. But Supercross for sure, and starting to hear maybe that uh, maybe there'll be a little bit more than that. Yeah, that's I'm interesting. You're hearing that. I I haven't followed along that part of it. I will say this: like the last couple of weeks, watching him ride outdoors has been unbelievable. I know he has a good track record with outdoors, but it is blowing my mind the way he's riding right now. And um, it will. I mean, obviously, this whole year has been on fire for him, but. Yeah. Um, I didn't know there was talk. I didn't know he didn't sign for next year's outdoors. I just, I, cause I don't follow it that tight. Uh, but this post post interview, uh, several different post interviews this last weekend. Um, he just, if you look at the way his body language was, he just didn't sound confident that he was coming back for next year's outdoors. But I mean, it was also like an hour after the race. And so, and it's hot and maybe he's just, I mean, you don't know. I don't. And again, being from the outside, I don't know. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't change anything in my life. I would love to see him continue. I want, but I also would love to see him go out confident and strong and healthy, you know, and he is one of the vets, you know, he's, but, but again, the vets are lasting longer. What I love. And, and, uh, I mean, I could talk this, this is like, I love this talk, you know, but what I love seeing this year and, um, and maybe it's cause I stepped away from being such a fan for a couple of years, just not being around, but this year has been the coolest thing watching these vets be the happiest and the best riding condition I've ever seen. Like, and then, and then you add Dungey back in the mix, which you didn't, I certainly dang sure didn't predict three months ago, four months. I can't ago. Even believe that happened. I was, when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. he did and he's been good. And yeah. now I'm hearing that maybe Supercross is in the cards too, but yeah, I had a feeling that might happen. If he, Cause you know, they said he'd do round one and two and now he's, you know, what are, I think we're what are, around six or seven that we're at right now. Yeah. So, um, but just, just to see all those guys, Anderson, just so many of those guys that are vet riders riding so well and staying in the top five, basically. And, um, and they're happy and they're healthy or at least appear healthy. I think that's so cool. And then, and then Trey rides mammoth and I'm like, what in the world? So, I mean, it's just cool to see him happy and healthy, dude. It's just, it's cool. So it's awesome. I I think that I, I look at everything in life through two lenses, a micro lens and a macro lens. I think on the micro lens, these riders get burnout. You know, there's so much pressure. It's physically demanding. And I think if you're looking at it really close, it can be, it, it can feel like it's not cool anymore. It can feel exhausting. But I think these guys are starting to look at it more from the macro and realize that, look, you're in your late 20s. You're getting paid a lot of money to be a supercross motocross star. I mean, not everybody gets that kind of opportunity in life to use their talents and get paid a lot of money for their talents, doing something that they obviously loved for a long time. So it's almost like a perception thing. I think if they look at it from a little bit different angle, they realize, and that's why Dungey's back, I think. I think Dungey got burnt out and it all was very micro to him. And he was like, I'm out of here. And then I think he really quickly was like, wait a minute, I have the coolest life on the planet. Like, what am I doing? Took him a while to get back in. He tried the Honda thing, the Geico, like he tried. But I think he is a prime example of, look, you you have the most amazing life ever sitting at your fingertips if you want it. And he did. And I think Tomac, that's why he stuck around. And Barsha and Anderson and Marvin and Brayton. These guys are just like, you can see it on their face. I think they've realized as difficult as this is, as much pressure as it is, physically, emotionally, all those things. It's an unbelievable life they get to live. And I think that's powering them through these later years now. And we all benefit from that. We all get to watch these guys at the peak of their physical, mental existence, just crush it. So I, I'm happy they're doing it. I mean, it's good for all of us. 
It is, but I think there's also two things that I think it's, it, it is, it's great for all of us as fans. It's great for the industry guys. It's also great for, and it's great for these riders, but it's really also great for the younger guys. And by younger, I don't necessarily mean the teenagers, but like, let's talk about first and second season guys that are in supercross this year, even 250 guys. Like if it could teach those guys to maybe, to maybe have a different mindset and maybe even like, I don't want to go too deep into this whole uh, tunnel here of like the jets, like jet Lawrence and those guys, but some of those younger guys that might have a different mindset, if, because you listen to Barsha talk about like, for example, his YouTube channel, you know, like he's goofy and fun and lighthearted. And now he's running in a, he's had a great supercross season because he got lighthearted. Anderson like had a great 18 and then he had a rough couple of years. And, and then now like he's had a great supercross season. Like these guys, just like you said, they looked, they went more into a macro lens and all of a sudden they just kind of went chill I'm, i guess our real life really is okay and they just went with it so i hope that that trickles into these younger generation guys to be like man okay i really do want my i don't want to retire at 24 25 i want to move into my early 30s i want i want to be a brayton you know and then maybe because to me that's i mean if it's bigger than just like today life if you can really yeah. look at it on how can i really expand this and if there's a lesson in it to be had i think that's the lesson so i think it's really cool to see you know so anyways best of luck to all those guys and i think hopefully yeah. there's a few more seasons for all of them because it's fun to watch you know it is good right now and i think we're all into it except for chase sex and he's probably like get out of here everybody like why y'all sticking around because it's chase's time but these boys aren't letting him have it yet so uh it's he i mean and talk about a guy who's leveled up too man he is whew, he's been fun to watch this summer that guy is he's hitting his stride perfect timing he is man it, it, it's interesting i watched a I watched a little clip of, of james stewart's little you know post-race deal the other day or just this morning actually and he was talking about it and he was kind of giving him you know razzing him a little bit about the tomac deal and he's like talking about how he's scared of tomac or whatever just just being just being stewart but mm-hmm. um it was interesting and it's it is interesting he made a good point too he's like he gets all aggressive on rocks and, and a couple other guys but then he gets a little weird when it comes to different riders but he'll have his day i mean he's he's riding in the top it's not like he's not the absolute highest caliber riding like you just said so yeah. um all right as we wrap things up let me ask you this so um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about your, you know, going in, working with an agency and what that's kind of designed. You've got a four-year deal with them, but what do you really want? Like, I love to ask guests this, what do you, um, two more questions. This is question one of two, but what, where do you want for Daniel Blair and your daughter and your son and your wife, and you're now you're new to South Carolina, like fast forward five years, where does, where do you want by design your life to be? What does it look like for you and your family five years from today? Man, if you would have asked me that five years ago or 10 years ago, I probably could have given you something pretty specific. Um, But I've actually learned to not chase a certain thing and instead chase more of a a broader fulfillment. So for me, five years from now, my son would be 17. Uh, My daughter would be, let's see, she'd be, oh my God, I don't even like, man, this is the hardest question ever because now I'm thinking about my kids in five years. But um, overall, I want family fulfillment. I want my son to be doing good in school and whatever it is he's chasing in life, I want him to give it his all. I want my daughter to find something that just really, yeah, that she can engage in fully and chase. I want my wife to be happy. And then for me, I just want to provide that to them. So instead of really chasing an individual goal, which I, I mean, I do have individual goals that I want. Like I would love to be in the NFL. I'd love to be a play-by-play in the NFL. I would love that. 
but that's not going to be the decision maker in my happiness. My happiness is can I fulfill um, my family's dreams and, and get the best out of my son, my daughter, and my wife and give them the best life possible through whatever means I do. So uh, I used to be pretty specific, but now it's just work your ass off, um, give everything you have at everything you do and try to find success that'll allow me to give my family a chance to do all the same. So, um, but if you want the fun, juicy stuff, yeah, I'd like to be in the NFL someday. That'd be rad. Um, I'd love to be, you know, the voice of Supercross. Um, I'd love to be able to travel all over the country and the world with my wife and be able to see these cities that I've been able to see that she hasn't. That'd be cool. Um, and again, I just want my kids to have a good education and find something that they love that they can pursue. And then my ultimate goal with them is that they don't have to wait till they're in their mid thirties to really figure life out that they could figure it out earlier. Cause I, I went through a long period of not knowing what the hell was going on in life and how to achieve anything. I just, I didn't know anything. And now I really feel like I found the formula to success and I want to give it to them earlier so that they can find their success in their mid twenties and not in their late thirties. Like I'm mm. finally starting to. So yeah, little micro macro there for you. But again, I'll say it one more time, man, the NFL, dude, I want to, I want to be in the NFL. I, I think football is just my favorite sport outside of of course dirt bikes which is my life but god if i could get in that spot someday that would be a dream come true but we'll see it's not it's it's not a it's not a make it or break it thing for me i overall just i want to be successful and and help my family uh, achieve their goals when they find them yeah i love that man that's awesome that's super cool last question this is always fun and it's it's always interesting because every single guest comes from such a different space of life so asking you this is going to be really interesting this is totally Braxton. My son came up with this a couple months ago and he's like, man, you know, a lot of people in a lot of different realms of life, you got to start asking this. So I have, um, in your phone, you got a lot of cool contacts. Who is the coolest person's number you have? And tell me a quick story about them. <laughs> oh man. All right. Um, Jacoby Shaddix. Do you know who that is? Papa Roach. Singer Papa Roach. Um, so I don't even remember the year, but I had a chance to go to Aftershock, which is a concert uh, in Sacramento. Now, I got to rewind really quickly and tell you that Papa Roach was like my favorite band for a long time. I actually saw them in 1998. They were on the local stage. Uh, Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock were headlining this tour. Papa Roach was on the local stage in Sacramento. They blew everybody away. They were unsigned, but I had heard of them in the area because I knew they were from Vacaville, I, whatever. Fast forward six months, I'm a senior in high school and Last Resort comes on the radio. I'm like, oh, that's that, that's that, that's that band. And I couldn't believe it. So I've literally been a diehard Papa Roach fan since the first album, Infest, came out. Mm -hmm. So fast forward all these years, you know, this has got to be now like probably eight to 10 years ago. Uh, I get a chance to go to Aftershock and this girl, Shannon Guns, she's, um, I don't know what she's doing now, but she was like on XM. She's like a DJ. She's awesome, uh, like rock radio girl. Anyway, she's friends with our group. She's like, you want to meet Jacoby? I'm like, yeah, right. He's like, she's like, let's go right now. Got me on stage. I got to watch their whole set on the stage, meet him after, ended up becoming not friends, but acquaintances with him to where we text. And I ended up getting his kids tickets to the arena cross in Sacramento got him jerseys whatever i've talked to him back and forth so uh yeah jacoby is in my phone right now 
and I have his number and a, a little weird mini relationship with him. That's not like a very thorough one, not buddies, but we're to the point where he knows who I am. And if, you know, I text him from time to time, he texts me from time to time. And uh, it is like the weirdest thing ever because I like idolized the dude since 1999. Yeah. So uh, that would, that would be the weirdest one I have in a cool way. And I don't, I don't think anything else touches that one. I don't, I don't think. Dude, that's what I love about this question is because it's always so extreme. Like two weeks ago, I interviewed this girl and she's she's like a, a business lady, you know, and she's like she was floored by the question, you know, like she's like it is it's a good question, dude. Honestly, it it's it's rad question. Well, and it's because everybody has like in your industry, like I would start thinking of like industry names, like I would like I would think of a McGrath or something, or like to me, it's like Ricky Johnson, you know, because like I grew up in Ricky Johnson, Jeff Stanton days, right? So I'm like, I wonder if he knows Ricky Johnson. Like, not that I necessarily like I'm not a fan, I don't fangirl over that, but those are cool names to me, right? In your industry. Yeah. Um, but I used to manage bands, so to me, it was like I um I would start thinking band people, you know, but now I'm more into like the entrepreneurship world. So it's like it's a whole different and but this gal a couple weeks ago, she's like. I don't know. I don't really go anywhere. I, I guess my husband, like I love my husband. And I was like, okay, like that, wow, that's own it, one. own it, you know, but everybody has it. So it's a great question. I totally give my son credit for it. So anyway, and he'll love that because he loves Papa Roach. So that's oh, super dude. cool. And so. I'm, I'm going to see him August 31st flying to Nashville to see him. So I'm like, I still to this day love their band. I mean, they still put out unbelievable music. So uh, yeah, I was actually just on the phone with Greg Albertson of all people. He's going to fly to Nashville and meet me there. Cool. Uh, but we're going to a concert because like three of my top five favorite bands are all on tour together. And he's one of them. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> what a national hang. So, and I've seen them many times and um, I've met Jacoby maybe twice uh, backstage at a show here in the city, a couple different times. And I used to run around with the Buck Cherry guys a little bit. And so, and they oh. did a lot of tours together. And so that's how I I've met him. And I will say he, I don't know him, know him. He wouldn't know me, but he was, super down to earth super cool super real so i completely see where you would say that like once now that you know him i i he was not somebody i would ever say seemed like an arrogant like not a jerk like oh, the most no. normal dude ever you know nicest dude so. ever so friendly and i can't believe you just said buck cherry so i gotta sneak in one tiny story yeah um, i did at two different times in my life with my brother we had a band uh when we toured we, we did warp tour once we did we played in Europe. We've, we've done these little things here. They never, it never went far, but it went little mini, little mini chapters. Yeah. The very last show our band played, we opened for Buck Cherry. And that was back in 2015 or 16, maybe. But yeah, we opened for Buck Cherry in Sacramento at Ace of Spades. That was our last really? show. We ever played. Yep. What is that the only time you ever worked with, but like you ever saw Buck Cherry? Only time. Only time we played with them. Yeah. Them and then a band called Otherwise uh, opened for them. So it, it was, we were the first one on the bill. Okay. What did you think but, uh, of uh, Josh Todd on stage? Oh, he's awesome. I mean, he was uh, the good thing is because I was done and then I was in the crowd with my wife and I, we were, we were fans the rest of the night. So I don't remember a lot of it. I'll be honest. I mean, we were. Yeah we were pretty yeah. smashed but i thought it, i mean it was rat it was buck cherry dude it yeah. was it was awesome like they are rock and roll for sure oh yeah and that dude like there's josh todd their lead singer is like the epitome of a stage show and, and so is oh, jacoby yeah. like that's why i love they used to run a lot of shows together and you talk oh, about them together like back to back as co-headliners or you know the last two acts oh my gosh they're so good but i was telling braxton my son recently i was like I can't take you to, to a Buck Cherry show just because 
like as entertaining as Josh Todd is, he's like, as a teenager, I can't, he's too vulgar, particularly on a couple songs. <laughs> and I don't like Braxton's not naive. Like it's, I'm not a, like, I don't shelter him, but there yeah. are a couple songs that Josh gets super descriptive and like vulgar on. And I just, I can't just condone that yet. Like at this point at 15 years old, you know, so, but, uh, so are you not taking him to see steel Panther either? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, dude, they're good. Like they are phenomenal. So anyways, that's cool. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, man, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you so much. dude. It's been, it's been yeah. so cool to just hang out and talk, talk a sport that I love. And, and I hope that some, some listeners get some value out of this as well. I, I always want to make sure that people uh, whoever's listening or watching get something out of this. And what I would say, if there was a main message out of our time together today, an hour we spent on the on the air or on on the uh podcast is that is that uh first of all wearing a lot of hats can be fulfilling and i would say that the fact is that you've been in the right place at the right time you've worked really hard to get to where you want to be and i think that's why things have aligned for you um we didn't get into your backstory we didn't even talk really racing uh, i know that's not really who you want to be on you know, for lack of a better way to say, that's not really the podium or the platform for you. Yeah. Like it probably is what got you. Um, certainly was the like foundation of who you are. Um, but it's not who you are today. It's definitely just, it's, it's your roots. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but your hard work is what's gotten you to where you are today. And it's your and talent too. Like, I don't think people talk about like, there is a talent to what, uh, people do that are in your industry as well. So um, I appreciate that you're, that you're not, uh, you know, that's just that you're, that you're cool. You're yourself. You're not all arrogant about it either. So it's one thing I love about Moda. I mean, there is definitely egos in it, but it's not an ego driven sport. In my opinion, you're on the inside. You might have a whole different opinion. We'll just keep that out. If there is that, but um, <laughs> generally speaking, Moto community as a whole, it's a lot of people that just like people, you know? And so yeah. I like that. So man, I appreciate you, Daniel so much. And uh, for those of you guys that are listening and watching, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking it out. Check Daniel Blair out on Instagram. I'll put uh, his info in the descriptions for sure. And make sure you tag this and uh, tag Daniel and anything, share it out. Make sure you subscribe all the good fun stuff and oh, yeah. uh, appreciate everybody listening today. And we'll see you again soon.